Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. for a second. How are we doing this morning? Amen. It's a good day to be in the house of God. It's a good day to be an Astros fan. Amen. And it's a bad day to be a Dodgers fan. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, no. You got no support in here, sister. (laughs) The Bible says that in the end times, Jesus is going to separate He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. He's going to separate them to the left. And it's interesting that that um, goats in the Greek, the Greek word for goat is los angeles. <laughs> Where's Pastor Danny? Man, he left, man. He, I had planned that joke all morning and he's not even here. Praise God. <laughs> the discernment. Well, praise God. It's good to be in the house of God. Amen. Um, always, always. And if you don't see somebody at church this morning, because, you know, around these times, October, November, December, um, people stop coming to church. It's like they it's like it's like the, the February of, of gym season. Right. When you get to February, it's like, yeah, I'll start next year. Um, and, and so these kind of seasons, you know, people people need that extra push. Right. They're, they're they're coming towards the end of the year and they're like, man, God, this wasn't a great year. You know, what? maybe maybe next year. No. Start today. Right. Start today. Um, because, because God's presence is, is, is not just for next year. It's, it, it's, it's right now. Right. And so if you see somebody struggling, if you see somebody not here, man, reach out to them and tell them, Hey, you need to be in the house of God because where the, where, where the, where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to, we're going to go ahead and get into the word. Genesis chapter 39, Genesis 39, Genesis 39 verses six through 12. Uh, last week we talked about Joseph and, uh, we're going to kind of get into some, some more of the details of his story. So this is after Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery. Uh, an Egyptian officer by the name of Potiphar, he buys Joseph as a slave. And um, I think Joseph was a people person because um, he, he seemed to gain favor wherever he went with people. And so he got favor with Potiphar and uh, Potiphar put, put him in charge of all the things that he owned. And so the story goes like this is Genesis 39, 6 through 12. You got it? Amen. It says this. It says, so he, he being Potiphar, left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. Joseph was like, obviously you're off limits, right? How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were in the house, she caught him by his garment and said, lie with me. But he left the garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Amen. Praise God. Real quick, I want to take you to Timothy. First Timothy 6, 11 through 13. You don't have to turn there, but I want to just give you a quick instruction. Paul is giving 
Timothy uh, instructions on on kind of pastoring this church in Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus was this epicenter of evil. It, it was known for their temple of Artemis. Artemis was a she, she was a, 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 a sex goddess. Uh, she was a goddess of of fertility, and and her temple was a. Uh, it was it was it was a place where it was like a big attraction. It was kind of like the Roman Colosseum of Ephesus or the Eiffel Tower of Ephesus, and and it was this big attraction. And people would go in there, and they would they would perform these sexual immoral acts of sacrifice. There was a lot of false teachers uh, that Timothy was dealing with, and so Timothy was was in this place pastoring this church, and and Paul gives him some instructions, and he says this. It's 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 First Timothy six eleven. He says, but you. You, O man of God, flee these things. Somebody say flee. flee. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word that you've given your servant, my God. I pray, my God, that your Holy Spirit would just be on my lips, my God, that you would speak this, my God, to your people. And I pray, my God, that we would just be with open hearts, open minds, my God, ready, Father God, for for spiritual heart surgery this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you take over and have your way, not my way, not our way, but yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And with that, you can be seated. Amen. These two passages teach us very uh, very, a couple practical things about our faith that I think easily get missed. Um, in these two instances, we see two righteous men of God with a calling, with a purpose, with an anointing, and they're fleeing from an enemy. Pastor, uh, Pastor Timothy, Paul says, Pastor Timothy, I want you to flee from this evil. Don't engage with it. Don't try to confront it. Don't, don't stick around too long to where you are going to fall into it. Flee from it, he says. Joseph had to flee the temptation of falling into sexual sin. There is power in fleeing. There is power in fleeing. And I know that this is kind of countercultural because we're never, ter- we're never told to run away. We're told, we're ter- uh, told to, to stand up and, and, and fight, right? And don't be a punk. And, and, it, you know, you gotta get, you have to have my back, right? And, 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 and we're called to like, uh, we're not called like by God, but like we're called by each other to throw down, right? Like if I'm gonna get into something, you're gonna be in it with me, right? And so we're never, we're never taught to, to run away. That's countercultural. And, and several weeks ago, you know, I brought a, a kind of a series of messages on, on spiritual warfare. And we talked about offense and we talked about the defense of spiritual warfare. And when you're binding, when you're rebuking, when you're casting out, when you're praying, when you're, when you're laying hands and you're anointing with oil, that's, you're fighting. That's the offense. Now, when you put on the armor of God, that's the defense so that you're able to uh, stand against the schemes of, of the enemy, right? So, so there's fighting. There's defending, and then there's running away. There's fleeing. And, man, as I was preparing this message, I, I told God, man, come on, my prayer is, is that you would have the discernment to know when to run away. I want you to know when to run away, because there is a time to run away. You don't have to fight every, every giant that comes your way. You don't have to slay every evil spirit that's right in front of you. Sometimes it's okay to outrun it. It takes discernment because not everyone needs to run away from the same things. I've got two friends, um, 
that, I, that, that don't go to church or they don't go to church often. And I reach out to them every week to see how they're doing. And they're going through some things in their life. And, uh, and, and there's these, these things that I don't really know how to help them with. And that bothers me because I, I am an encourager by, by nature. Like I, 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 the, the, my, my best way to build someone up is, is with my words. And, and uh, I always, I try to see the best in people. And that's kind of a weakness too, because a lot of times people will ask me, you know, to, to criticize their, their teaching or their, or their sermon and give me, give me some feedback. And, and I don't, I don't go to the negative first. I go to the positive first. And so I have to like think back and like, okay, let me see what, what was the negative? Because I'm, I, I just, I naturally want uh, to encourage people and build people up. I want to, I want to see people win. I told, I told my wife, I told my wife, I would have been an awesome coach, right? If I, if I knew a little bit more about sports, I would have made a great coach um, because I, I just, I want to see people win. And I hate it. I hate it when I don't know how to help someone with my words. And every time I go into like a meeting or like a counseling session or someone wants to talk to me about something, I always go to God and I say, God, give me wisdom because I don't want this to be for me. I want this to be from you. And I believe that many times, 95% of the times, he gives me that wisdom. But there's times where I can't speak out of the experience I don't have. And, and I have to give them the truth and I have to tell them, I hate this, but I don't know how to help you. I don't know what to say because I've never, I've never fought that battle. I don't, I don't know what it is to have uh, a, an alcohol addiction. So I don't, I don't really know how to help someone through that. I can, I can give you maybe some resources. I can, be, uh, you know, I can pray for you. I can offer accountability, but I can't help you through that. I don't, I don't know what it's like to have the majority of my friends be non-Christian friends who are trying to pull me back into the world. Since I was born, the majority of my friends have been people in the church and the minority have been non-Christian friends. So I don't, I don't know how to do that. I, I've never really, we've never really had a struggling marriage, praise God. I don't, I don't know what it's like to be addicted to drugs or, or, or that party scene, the, the club life, like none of that. And it's funny, sometimes I go to God, I'm like, God, where's my testimony, you know? <laughs> well, where's... You know, where's the thing that, that I could tell people, you pulled me out of that. You know, I was in prison, right? And I was a thug and I was a gangster. I was a G, right? And, and, and where's that testimony? Like my wife has more of that testimony than I do, right? Like she's a gangster, man. She's a thug. She will cut somebody. I, not, not me, you know, not me. And, and so I, I, I go to, I mean, like the only thing I can help you with guys is like, if you're experiencing hair loss, uh, I got you, bro. Let's, let's get in my office and we'll talk. I got wisdom. But I've, I've never, what I'm, what I'm saying is not everybody's battle is the same. Not everybody's fight is the same. I have my own battles. I do. I, I've got my own weaknesses and maybe they're not your weaknesses. And so we need discernment to know when we don't have the strength to fight that battle. I, I need to know when it's not worth it to confront an enemy that I might not be able to take down. I need to know when to flee. You know, if I go to a gathering or like a, like a birthday celebration where there's, where everybody's drinking and, and getting drunk. And I mean, there's not a single person who's sober and I'm like the only one there that has no effect on me. I, it doesn't matter. And they could, they could even be encouraging me to drink. And they're like, Hey, do you want a beer? And I'll be like, you got Topo Chico instead. All right. I always go for the Topo Chico or, or, or they're, they're, they're taking shots in the corner. And then I'm right there with my cafecito, you know, like. I'm, I'm, I, that has no effect on me. It doesn't, there's no temptation for me to, 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 to want that, that life, but that might be not a very good place for you. If you've dealt with that, 
And so it might not be a good place for you to confront an enemy, to confront temptation when you know you might be too weak, that you're going to fall into it. And so instead, the wiser thing to do is flee from those things, right? Because, you know, this is the truth and it's not going to sound very churchy, but you can't win every battle you fight. Some enemies are bigger than you are. Some of them are stronger than you are. And that's not to say it's always going to be that way because where there is growth, that means you outgrow some of the things that, that were stronger than you before. But you have to recognize when you are in a moment of weakness that you can't confront an enemy that you can't win. So instead, you got to outrun it. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So he's saying there's nothing new under the sun. Everything you've been through, homeboy has been through it too. Everything you've been through, homegirl's been through it too. Like there's nothing new. You got no new pity party that I haven't heard yet. It says God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you will be able to endure it. So listen, some enemies you fight, some, some enemies, some enemies you, you, you withstand the, the, the blows and, and you're not phased by it because you got the armor of God on and there's others where you have to outrun. The battles you can't win, you have to outrun. And the Bible is clear, there is an escape route. There is a way out. And there is nothing wrong, there is nothing shameful about running away from an enemy that might take you down if you choose to fight it. And as I said earlier, this isn't, this isn't churchy, right? Like, this isn't what you want to hear. What you want to hear is whenever the devil comes your way, you can slay it. And, and just remember uh, David and how he confronted Goliath and Goliath went down. Like, like don't be don't, uh, stupid. Don't be stupid. Kids, don't say stupid. But don't be like... Because this is how we stumble. This is, we get a little too cocky. We get a little too arrogant. We get a little too confident because we think because I'm a new creation, that means I can win every single battle that comes my way. And that's just ignorance. And, and maybe the reason you struggle with the same thing over and over and over again is because you haven't learned the art of the flight. You're just, you're waking up every single day and you're facing it and, 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 and you're trying to fight it and, and you lose and you're like, you know what? I, I can do it this time. I can do it this time. And, and I can, I can just go hang out with her. We're just going to watch a movie for a couple hours. Nothing's going to happen. Right. Or it's just, it's just a few old friends of mine who like to get together and drink all the time and it, nothing's going to happen. I'll just let them know that I'm not drinking anymore. Just because you have the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you still don't carry your flesh. I'm, I'm not preaching a churchy message this morning, right? I, I, again, you want to hear, if you got the Holy Spirit, you got it every single time, 100%. No, 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 no. Because you still walk in the flesh. And, and Paul had to tell the Galatians, even though you have the Holy Spirit abiding in you, do not walk in the flesh to gratify the desires of your flesh. Instead, you have to walk in the Holy Spirit. But that isn't to say that sometimes you're not going to walk in the flesh even though the Holy Spirit abides in you. And so when somebody gets your blood boiling, come on, that, that, that is an, that, the, the anger, that, that is an emotion that comes from your flesh. The Holy Spirit's not making you angry. Somebody cuts you off. That's not the Holy Spirit saying, no, you need to get some, you need to get mad right now. You need to honk that horn. That's not the Holy Spirit. That is your flesh being stirred up 
being stimulated. That, that, that's anger. And so if you decide to confront that person who got your blood boiling, you might say some things that are not godly. You might close the door to the Holy Spirit behind the door of your emotions. Discernment is when the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need to chill for a second. You need to calm down. I, I told that to my wife one time that it, that didn't go well. But maybe next time I'm going to say, babe, the Lord is telling me you need to calm down. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit will say when you're when you're when you're stirred up, man, and your anger is all over the place. He will tell you, hey, this, this is not a conversation you need to have right now. Because you're upset and and you will not be operating in the spirit Therefore, I can't promise you wisdom in, the, in that confrontation. I can't, I can't promise you peace. I can't, I can't promise you godly things because you're acting in your emotions and you're checking me at the door. So there's nothing wrong. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having moments of weakness because that's when Christ boasts, right? That, that's when his strength comes in. And our weakness, that's when his strength is revealed, Scripture says, do not, in your anger, do not sin. It doesn't say do not get angry because Jesus, no, because God created us with emotions and we're going to feel our emotions and we're going to feel sadness and we're going to feel anger and we're going to feel frustration. But he says, in those things, don't sin. Learn self-discipline. Learn peace. Learn patience. This applies to everything in your frustration, in your sadness, in your hopelessness, in your discouragement, church, in whatever weakness it is, do not sin. But you have to let him do the work. You have to, you have to surrender your emotions and you have to offer him as a sacrifice. God, I'm giving you my emotions, right? I'm giving you my anger right now. I'm giving it to you. That's what an altar is, right? An altar is a place of, of sacrifice. It's, it's where you give something up. And your emotions, you want to you hang on to your emotions. You want to hang on to that anger because you got something to say. You got something to say. In the same, I, I'm, not, I'm not really quick to anger, but when I get there, I'm there. And, and my, 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 my words fly faster than my thoughts are able to process. And just like I can build someone up with my words, ooh, I can tear someone down with my words, and I know that I can and so sometimes when I'm mad, the more, the more I start talking, the, the more mad I get. And the Holy Spirit is like, you need to shut up. Because you're going to say something that you're going to regret later. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna hurt somebody with these words in a moment of weakness. Surrender your anger to me. Mm. Too many times we go into the battle and we're already wounded. right? That, 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 that's, that's us trying to handle it with our own weakness. And instead, sometimes you need to flee and refill with peace. Flee and refill with joy. Because if you go into that moment unhappy, you're going to say some things. So you need to flee and get a little bit of joy. Flee and get a little bit of faith. Flee and get some strength in your weakness. And I imagine had Joseph not run away from Potiphar's wife, he might have lost that battle, man. He had, he, he had to go nowhere near this woman or her bed because he knew that if he did, that might lead to something else. So I'm not even going to entertain it. The, the, the narrator in verse 10, he says something that's really key. I think we miss it. He says, uh, and as Joseph spoke day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. 
So there was two options there. She was asking Joseph every single day, Joseph, lie with me, baby, lie with me. And Joseph was like, nope. And then she would say, okay, okay, just lay next to me. We don't have to do anything. We can just talk. We can just watch a little bit of TV. Maybe you rub my back. I don't know. <laughs> let's, just, let's, just, let's just chill. Like, I, I just want, I want some company. Potiphar's never home. He's always at work. I'm just, I'm, I'm sad. I just, there's, there's a lot on my mind. Can you just come in the room and we can talk? And, I, you know, you can sit over there. I, I promise I won't, I won't go near you. Just lie next to me. And he's like, no, no. And she kept pers- persisting day after day after day. The spirit of adultery hovered over Joseph. So this wasn't a one-time fleeing like we, like we read it. Day after day, he had to flee. Now, there's probably women in here who are probably like, Joseph should have gotten out of the house a long time ago. He shouldn't have been in that situation. But I'm going to defend him. Homeboy was a slave. <laughs> he had no choice. Couldn't leave. <laughs> wasn't going to go up to Potiphar and be like, hey, he's not working out, man. I mean, I'm going to find some employment somewhere else. Also, your wife wants me, right? <laughs> he, the, Joseph was property on this property. And so that made things even more complicated for him. Every single day he had to, to flee. Every single day. This, this temptation was constantly in his midst, man. I, I, just, I feel for him. Because every single day he had to run away. Every single day, the same thing was chasing him, and he had to get away. And, and the thing is, he had to find a way to flee without actually getting far enough. And that's how it's going to be sometimes. Sometimes the things that you flee are going to come back tomorrow, and you have to flee them again. And sometimes the things that you flee live in the very house that you live in. And sometimes the things that you have to flee are in the very church that you go to, the things that you have to flee are, are in the very relationships that you have. And you don't, you don't necessarily want to cut off a relationship or you don't really want to separate yourself from, from, from something or, or from someone, but, but there's, there's one aspect in that that you have to find a way to flee. And you have to flee without getting far away. That's tough. And we know that, that, that in our walk with God, we say this all the time, it's a daily battle. It's a daily battle. You have to die daily. You have to pray daily. You have to seek God daily. You got to go to church often, okay? Go once a month. That, that's, that's tough. You got to seek God daily. You got you to gotta, you do it daily. Bless you. You, you encounter temptation daily. It's a daily battle. But it's also a daily race. To offer another analogy, Paul says to Timothy, I have finished the race. So that means every day you're not just fighting, you're also running. You're not just defending, you're also running. You're running every single day. This is why faith is exhausting, bro. Let's be real. And, and sometimes when you come to church, you come because you had a week or you had a day and you come into the presence of God and, and, and the spirit just moves you in a refreshing way. And you're, it's like, it's like going to, to the sauna after like an intense workout. It's like, it's so, it's so relaxing. It's so beautiful and you're refreshed and you're encouraged and you're refilled. 
because of all that fighting and all that running that you've been doing, it's depleted your spirit. You don't just fight the enemy once and it's over. And you don't just run away once and it's over. The fight of faith is constant. It's constant. And as long as the devil sees purpose in you, you will be under attack. I promise you. As long as he knows that you are called, like like, like Timothy was called into eternity, he wants to make sure that you are defeated. And he will throw anything your way day after day to get you to stumble. But man, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen. It's a, it's a tough battle, guys. It's a tough battle. It's a tough race. And there's always going to be enemies. The devil wants you down, man. Because he knows that he's already defeated, right? And he wants you defeated as well. He, he's not satisfied with just taking the loss. That's his pride. The devil has always been prideful. He can't, he can't, even, he can't even take the zero. He's got to make sure everybody else goes down with him. And it's a tough battle. It's a tough race because there's always going to be enemies. There's always going to be devils. But I want to encourage you with this. The, the ones, listen, the ones who lose, I got your attention for a couple minutes. The ones who lose, the ones who give up on their faith, they give up on God, they give up at church and you text them and they start ghosting you, and the ones who, who just give up, the ones who quit, those are the, the only thing they ever look at is the challenge. That's the only thing they ever look at. And so, so one day they're, they're walking, and then they stumble, and then maybe they get back up because they got, they got a body of, of Christ, and, and they're, they're there to pick, pick, pick you up and pray for you, and, and then you stumble again, and then you get up and you're like, all right, I'll, I'll come back to church. And, and then you stumble again. You're like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, I'm going to repent again. And then you stumble again. And then this time you're like, you know what? It's always going to be like this. There's always a stumbling block. There's always a temptation. There's always a devil. There's always something. There's always a battle. And the ones who stay down, stay down because what they're looking at is the battle. And they think this is too much. When, when, when Peter, I want you to listen to this. When, when Peter called Jesus, when he saw Jesus walking on water, he says, he says, if it's you, call me. And Jesus has come. And even though Peter knows that this, this isn't normal, if I walk out of this boat and I, and I, and I step my foot on water, like that's not normal, right? People don't walk on water. But he knows that if Jesus is calling him to it, Jesus has somehow, I can't explain it, I don't know how he does miracles, but he has somehow made a way for me to come out to him in the way that he's coming towards me. So if I'm saying, Jesus, call me, and he's saying, come, he's making it possible. And so Peter's the only one, and he steps out of the boat, and at first his focus is on Jesus. His focus is on the one who called him. And he's like, all right, I'm coming, Jesus. I'm coming, Jesus. I'm walking your way. I'm walking your way. And then all of a sudden, the winds pick up. And he's like, he's shifting his eyes a little bit, but he's still focused. 
And then all of a sudden, he, he, maybe he hears some thunder rolling. He sees some lightning in the distance, and he's, he's starting to get a little nervous. And then, and then the waves start to, start to get a little violent. And now, now they're splashing him, and, and now he's actually kind of feeling it. And, and so it's, it, it's, kind of, it's taking his focus off of the one who called him. And now he's looking at the storm. Now he's looking at the water. Now he's, now he's thinking, how am I going to survive this? What, what, if this what if the waves knock me down? And, and, and now I have to swim and I have to, I have to find a way to swim hard and, and I'm going to have to shout out to the disciples to throw me a lifeline. And, and, and now he's, he's thinking about his battle and his focus is not on Jesus. And so he begins to, he begins to sink because his focus was on the battle. It wasn't on Jesus. Now, I think that there's a beautiful parallel here with the story and the story of salvation, because in the same way that that Peter called out to Jesus, you called out to Jesus. And, And what did Jesus say? He said, come, come and do impossible things. Come and be raised to life. Come and no longer be dead in the trespasses of your sin. Come and be raised in a way that no one has no one has been raised before. Come, I'm making it possible for you. And you start walking towards Jesus because there is power in that, in that, in that resurrection. And, and you're focusing on Jesus and, and you begin this walk of, of faith and it starts out great, man. And, and your focus is Jesus and you just want more of him and you want, you want to be at church and you want to get more involved and, and you start reading your word and you get into ministry and your focus is on him. But somewhere along the way, you begin to notice the waves are forming, the storms are forming, the, the obstacles, the spirits, the attacks, the devils, the sickness, the financial loss and giants are sizing you up and now you're getting nervous because your focus is on the spiritual warfare rather than the spiritual victor. And now you're looking everywhere else but Jesus and when you fall, that's all you're looking at. It's always going to be this way. I'm always going to be a failure. I'm always going to have this, this addiction. I'm always going to have this anger problem. I'm never going to grow. It's always the same thing. It's always the same rock that I stumble upon. And, and, and what if you just looked up that Jesus? The one who says, come, come. It doesn't have to be quickly. You're not racing anybody else. This is your race. Get up and just come. I know you fell, but I'm still calling you to come. Come. Peter was so worried. He was so worried about how he was going to win the fight with the waves. How am I going to do this? Oh, snap. I'm really doing this right now. When, when Jesus called me, it was a little bit more calm. When Jesus called me, it was all good. When Jesus called me, it was, it was new to me, and I was leaving the boat behind, and, and I was following Jesus and because I've heard some stories about Jesus, how he's just a, he's, he's a good God, and he loves me, and, and I just want to be in his presence, so I'm going to walk. But the reality of your walk is that there are going to be stumbling blocks. There are going to be enemies. There are going to be obstacles. Peter should have never even given the waves attention. Sometimes what comes your way, church, is not worth the fight. Because fighting it will only be a distraction. And it might be a fight that you can't even win. When all along, what we should have been doing is fleeing. I know it's, I know it's crunk, man, when we talk about spiritual warfare. I know. 
I know it's crunk when we talk about slaying demons and, and slaying giants. And, and we're like, where's my Bible at? I'm going to go slay some demons today. And, and it's like, focus on, focus on the victor, not the fight. When you have to fight, fight. But don't go looking for it. Don't, don't, don't put your focus on it. Don't be like, where can I find some demons to confront today? Don't put yourself in stupid situations. Kids don't say stupid. Focus. Focus on Jesus. You know, this, this week for me, this week, just, just, it, it's been, it was a rough week, man. We had like sick kids, like, I don't know, like they were sick one day and then they were perfect. And then they were sick the next day. And it was, it was just, it was, it was rough. It was rough in the Cantu household. And it was like thing after thing after thing. And, and you know, situations, Situations bother me, but I, I feel like I can handle uh, my frustrations with situations better than I handle frustrations with people. Because I can't, I can't do anything about my situation. They just happen. People make things happen, right? And so I, I can reason with people. I can't reason with the situation. And so sometimes I'm like, man, why do people have to do this? Why do people? Why, why are people this way? Why do they say these things? Why, why did he just say that? And, and I'm, and I'm always looking for a deeper meaning than one that's, that's given. And I've realized that if I give it more than five seconds of thought of the person who's frustrating me, it's not healthy for me. I start to get mad. I start these fake arguments in my head (laughs) all over an assumption. And I've learned, I have learned not to give these things too much thought because in doing so, I'm simply giving fuel to the enemy. I'm simply getting more mad over something that I don't need to get mad about. Paul tells Timothy, but as for you, man of God, as for, as for you, woman of God, I love that. I love that Paul says this. I was, I was, I was studying this, this passage, um, for, for one of my, for one of my classes and, and, uh, no one else, no one else in in the new Testament is called man of God. It's, it's a very common, common theme or common phrase in the old Testament. And so what Paul was doing to Timothy it was he was confirming his calling. You are a man of God. You remember, you remember Elijah? You remember Elijah? You remember Moses? You remember David? They were men of God. You, you are a man of God. Remember that you are a man of God. You are a woman of God. And because you are a man or a woman of God, flee these things. Don't entertain them. And he offers, he offers an alternative. He says, instead, pursue. Somebody say pursue. Right? There's that same running analogy. Flee these things. Flee evil, but pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. What, what if Joseph would have entertained old girl? What, what, if, what if he would have, listen, let's just, let's, just, let's just go there. What if he would have gone in the room with her? And said, all right, just this one time. Okay, just five minutes. And he goes in and they start talking and they start laughing and they start getting personal and they, they form an emotional connection. But in other words, what I'm saying is what if Joseph would have engaged in that fight with temptation and won? Go with me. What if he won it? What if he confronted it in that room, in the bedroom, thought about it, and won. Said, you know what, girl? 
can't do this. It's not right. And then he goes into his room and he's like, man, praise God. I stood up to, to this beautiful woman and she wanted me and I was victorious. What if he would have done that? The next morning, Potiphar's wife would have been there again. The same battle would have been there again. It would have been the same things. Battles don't go away. If you're attacked today, you're going to be attacked tomorrow. And so instead of getting distracted with every fight, Paul says, instead, pursue godliness. Be so focused on godliness. Be so focused on on faith and righteousness. Be so focused on loving people and loving God that all of these things don't even distract you. That when they come their way, all you have to do is say, get away from me, get behind me, Satan, because I have a purpose and my eyes are on the prize. I don't have time to look your way and give it a second thought because I'm going somewhere. That's what Jesus said to Peter. He, man, he gave him a hardcore rebuke because Jesus, Jesus, his entire life for 33 years, he knew what his mission was. He knew that he was going to go to the cross. He was going to endure a, a, a really gruesome death. And, and he didn't want to do that. It was, I'm sure there was a temptation there to, to, to get rid of it. And so when Peter says, you're God, you're Lord, surely not you to be crucified. He says, get behind me, Satan. I ain't got time for your games. I don't have time to, to reason with you. I don't have time to ask you a question. Well, you really think I could get away with not doing it? No, no. Get behind me, Satan, because I'm going somewhere. Pursue the things of God and you're able to resist the enemy. You're able to flee. Mm. Instead of going to bed every single night with your worry, talking to somebody, instead of going to bed every night with your anxiety, instead of starting the day with anger and ending it with anger, why not flee those thoughts and pursue the word of God? Why not seek peace when you're anxious? Why not, why not pursue holiness when you're tempted with sexual sin? Run to God in prayer. Run to God in his word. Focus on Jesus. Don't focus on the fight. Paul tells Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, the fight that is worth the fight, this is verse 12, is the good fight of faith. I'm going to have the worship team come up. I want to just, I'm going to end right here. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Listen, the good fight of faith, it, it belongs to only you. It, it, it's your fight. I want, I want you to hear me. When we engage in spiritual warfare, we do it together. We do it as an army. We pray for each other. We believe with each other. We hold each other accountable. That's, that's a fight battled with an army. The good fight of faith, or, or the other analogy Paul uses, the race, no one else fights or runs for you. It's yours. There, there is nothing I can do to win the race for you. Nothing I can do. If, if, if you're battling depression, if you're battling sickness, I can pray with you. And, 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 and I can anoint you and, and the church can come together and, and we, might, we might even see a miracle happen. But your, your fight of faith, the race that you're running to salvation, to Jesus, to heaven, I, I, there's nothing I can do about that. There's nothing I can do about that. And as a Christian, that's frustrating for me. And if, if, if you have anybody in your life 
who you've been wanting to come to Jesus, you know how frustrating that is. Because you encourage them every single day. You pray, you pray over them every single day. Maybe you invite them to church and you get, you get them all the way to the edge that you can, but you can't get them to surrender to Jesus because it's their fight. It's their race. I can't go to heaven for anybody. My, I, I can't do enough good works for it to be counted for two people. And that's, that's frustrating. All I can do as a pastor is, is, is teach and preach and, and pray and believe, but I can't, I can't make you cross that finish line. I can't do that. That is your race to run. But in order to win church, in order to win that race, you just have to flee the things that are keeping you from crossing that finish line. And I don't know what that is this morning for you because I'm not running your race. I'm running my race. And I know the things that threaten me on my race. I know the things that threaten me on my fight. I know, I, I know what if I, if I give too much thought to or if I, if I give too much power to, I know it'll knock me off course. You have to know your own weaknesses. And you have to have the discernment when to flee. And that's my prayer for you this morning, that you would just flee the things that are meant to be a distraction for you. Maybe you're struggling so much with the same things because you just haven't gotten away. You're you're trying to battle it out every single day. You're trying to confront it every single day. And God is saying, flee and pursue the things that matter. Paul tells Timothy, don't engage in the gossip. Don't, Don't try to have these pointless arguments just to win. Because that's distracting you from what matters. And so much in our attempt to do good things for God, to do the good work of God, it distracts us from actually getting further. Learn what to flee from, church. Learn what is keeping you from advancing in this race. I want you to stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. It's right there where you're at. Why don't you just meditate in his presence? Just close your eyes for a second. Close your eyes for a second. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, my God, that you just give us discernment, Lord. Discernment to know, my God, the things that we've been paying too much attention to, Father God. Sometimes, my God, what we think is good is a a good work or is a good fight, Lord, is only a distraction, Father. If the enemy can keep us busy long enough to be fighting the same struggles, we'll never advance. And I pray right now, my God, a fresh discernment, my God, deposited upon every, every single person here in this place, my God. that you would give us vision, Father God. Vision from heaven, Lord. Spiritual eyes, Father. Spiritual discipline, my God. And even though we're tired, my God, 
We know that in our weakness, you are made strong, Father. We know that in our weakness, my God, that is, that is when you show off, Father. And I, I surrender. I want you to surrender something to Jesus here this morning. Come on, can, can we open up these altars? Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at My Church. Thanks again and God bless.